0: Welcome to Wellness Your Way. I'm your host, Megan Lyons, and I've helped thousands of people find their own way to wellness. Wellness Your Way is an extension of that work, aimed to help you find your unique path to feeling your very best. Each week, we'll go through tactical strategies you can use to improve your health, happiness, and quality of life. So grab a mug of tea or lace up your walking shoes. We're about to dive in. Welcome back to Wellness Your Way, my friends. I'm so happy to be with you again this week. And if there were ever an episode that I would want to put you to sleep, it would be this one since we're talking all about how to improve sleep quality naturally. But I promise you, it won't put you to sleep because it's so jam-packed with information. We'll cover the hot new metabolism study and what it means for you, depending on your age, a product that I've loved for years, some great listener Q&A about mixing up meal planning, and so much more. Let's dive in. It's time for Health News You Can Use, and today I'm talking all about a new study that's getting so much attention over the past week, and it is worth talking about here as well. It's a study that's dispelling the myth that our metabolisms magically drop off a cliff in our 30s or our 40s, and maybe then again in our 50s. We have all been led to believe this, and this study is telling us otherwise. It's been talked about on all the major news networks, in the New York Times, and so much more, so let's talk about it here. First, what is the study? It was published in the journal Science in August 2021, and it studied 6,400 people from age 8 days to 95 years their major finding was that from age 20 to 60, our metabolism stays the same once we control for factors like body size and body composition. What? Haven't we all heard that metabolism slows down, especially for women, as we age? Well, this study specifically showed us that from birth to one year old, Metabolism speeds up, gets crazy fast, and then gradually slows again from age 1 to 20. And then it basically plateaus until 60. After that, it declines by about 0.7% per year, which means a total decline from Age 60 to age 95 of about 20%. So it does slow down after 60, but from 20 to 60, the interesting part of this study is that it basically plateaus all other factors considered. So then why do so many people, women in particular, start gaining weight in their 30s and 40s and 50s? Well, as I've taught my members of the Revitalized Health Accelerator and so many hundreds of clients... There are just a lot of factors. Look, I'm a numbers person. I studied economics, actually, in undergrad. I don't know if you know that, but I would love to make nutrition a very easy, simple formula that everyone could just calculate. It would be easy breezy. We would move on with our day, and it's just not like that. Unfortunately, there are so many factors to this. A few factors that are most prevalent here Muscle loss is probably a big one. Not probably. Muscle loss is actually, definitively, scientifically, a big one. Muscle loss is common as we age, and having more muscle on our bodies burns more calories, speeds our metabolism up. So we want to do everything we can to maintain that muscle, yet most people, unfortunately, stop doing strength training as they age, and their muscle rapidly deteriorates. Now, when I said the study shows that metabolism plateaus from age 20 to 60, all other factors held equal, this means that if someone is losing muscle and that's the result of their metabolism slowdown, they're saying in the study that metabolism itself does not slow down. So. I don't have the numbers on this, but I would argue that the vast majority of any metabolic difference in the, the numbers of the study participants that they uh, used, that they researched, was attributed to a decrease in muscle. That's number one. Number two, most people become naturally less active as the, as they age, and this slows our metabolism. There's more. Sitting, there's generally less exercise, there's more, I mean, less activity through the day, even things like, you know, lifting heavy bags of groceries and chasing after kids, running after your dog, whatever, just little non-exercise activities during the day. Another factor, honestly, it's a vicious cycle with dieting, as you all know, because crash dieting over and over can slow your metabolism, so that can be coming into play here. Many people as they age tend to eat a smaller volume of nutrient-dense foods like veggies as they age, and those are good for your metabolism, so that could be another part of it. And then menopause-related hormone shifts don't cause weight gain per se, but they do do cause things like irritability, brain fog, blood sugar imbalance, so many other things which then impact the way we eat, sleep, and exercise, and all of those impact metabolism. So you can see that there are reasons why people tend to gain weight in their 30s, 40s, 50s, etc., even though technically metabolism isn't falling off a cliff the way that we thought it was. So basically, even though this study doesn't go into all of this stuff that I just said, there are lots of reasons why we do tend to gain weight as we age. It's nothing magic that we can just blame our bodies about. Here are a few things we can do instead. Number one, strength train. Muscle is critical, so do your strength training. Number two, keep nourishing our bodies with tons of fiber from veggies, plenty of protein, balanced meals overall. Number three, stay as active as possible through the day, not just exercise, but all kinds of activity, park farther away from the grocery store, et cetera. Number four, stay away from crash dieting. Yes, do that. And number five, appreciate your body the way it is. It has done so much for you over your life. It is not the time, whatever age you are, to be agonizing over your uh, metabolism slowing down, or the way your body looks, or the way it isn't what it wants, what you want it to be. It is wonderful and amazing and miraculous and doing so much for you. So celebrate that. That doesn't mean I don't want you to continue pursuing your health. And that doesn't mean that having health goals are bad or anything like that. It just means don't forget to appreciate it as you're getting in your strength training and your veggies and all kinds of good stuff. Don't forget to appreciate that body. All right, a little longer health news that that you can use than usual, but I hope that helps you understand the popular study. In Megan Recommends today, I am recommending magnesium L-308. I believe this is the first time I've recommended a supplement in Megan Recommends because I like food more than I like supplements, but magnesium is a game changer. In fact, every organ in our body needs magnesium to function properly, and research shows that up to 75% of Americans are deficient in magnesium. You can probably understand why because it's found in leafy greens and some nuts too, but primarily leafy greens, vegetables, things like that. And even those of us who are getting enough vegetables, who are very few and far between, we are um, we have a, a roadblock in our way because the soil quality is not nearly as rich in magnesium as it needs to be. So most of us are not getting enough magnesium through our diet. It's very important, like I said, for so many organs, particularly the heart, kidney, muscles, Uh, bone and tooth health, it helps activate hundreds of different enzymes, it's good for energy production, so much more. But for me, there are a few big benefits. Usually, I will recommend magnesium the moment someone says that they have a racing mind, they wake up in the middle of the night kind of going over their to do list or feeling anxiety. That's me without magnesium. And magnesium helps a ton with that. So, for someone who wants deeper quality sleep, anyone who um, has that racing mind or anxiety, I will definitely recommend magnesium, and particularly this variety, magnesium L3 innate, which crosses the blood-brain barrier very effectively and is more suited for neurological benefits like that. Uh, Magnesium in general is also great for anyone who experiences cramping, um, either menstrual cramping or muscle cramping um, in general, like from a workout or something like that. Magnesium can help. Also, for anyone who wants to be a bit more regular in the bathroom, magnesium can help that. And did you know that it's even linked to cravings for chocolate? That's the craziest one for me because you know how much I love chocolate, and now you know how much I love magnesium. So maybe it's just my body really soaking this in. Basically, magnesium has benefits for almost everyone. I, like I said, use a variety called magnesium L3-onate, and I'll link to the specific product I use in the links. I take it 20 minutes before bed because I'm using it primarily for that sleep benefit, but you could honestly take it any time during the day. Magnesium L3 innate. this is a type. This isn't a brand. I'll link to the brand that I use in the show notes, but there are all kinds of formats of magnesium. There's magnesium citrate, oxide, glycinate, all of these, and glycinate's actually a really good one. That's my second favorite. It's least likely to cause GI issues. It's very absorbable. But the one I'm recommending, the most common one I recommend to my clients and the one I take myself is this l 3 innate 8 version. The research shows that it's the most effective type for increasing magnesium concentration in the brain cells. And because I'm using it in part for my anxiety and mind racing, this is definitely the best for me. Um, other forms of magnesium that are commonly available, many people have heard, seen, used natural calm, which is magnesium carbonate. I mean, this is better than no magnesium at all. So if you love that and it works for you, then great. But this turns to chloride in the stomach, magnesium chloride in the stomach, which is good for acid reflux and indigestion, but it just doesn't cross that blood-brain barrier like the three eight. So I would definitely recommend magnesium l three 8 first, um, glycinate probably second, and then I guess the natural calm. Last would be like a magnesium oxide or citrate or something. These are like are more like likely to cause GI issues. So if that sounds appealing, check out Magnesium L3N8 in the show notes, and it will be a very smooth transition into our next topic, which is sleep. It's time for the veggies of the matter and today we're talking about sleep. <laughs> Let's see if you relate to this. So many of us as children spent years protesting our bedtimes and crying at nap time, and maybe you have kids or have had kids and they did the same, and now we would just kill for a midday nap or a great night of restful sleep. Our our tide has turned on our attitude towards sleep, and now most of us are craving it more. And that is because, A, we're busy, we don't prioritize the time for sleep, But B, importantly, we are not getting the quality of sleep that we used to because of the anxiety, because of the blue light, because of our schedules, because of our poor quality food. All of these things that we're going to talk about today might not have impacted us as children, and now they are detracting from the quality of our sleep. So quantity is important too. If you um, are getting those solid eight plus hours of sleep per night and still don't feel rested, then you need the quality tips that we're going to talk about today. And even if you're not, I'm going to be totally honest, I don't get eight hours in bed every night, but because I've maximized my sleep quality, I can uh, thrive under a slightly less quantity. Now, to be totally honest, both is the best. So I am constantly Every single week, I write down my sleep time and my sleep score, both from my Aura Ring and my Fitbit, because I'm monitoring this constantly and always looking to improve both quality and quantity. So they're both important, but today, we're going to talk mostly about quality tips. Now, before we get into the tips, I want to make sure you know how important sleep actually is. So it feels amazing. We know that. But it's critical for your physical health, too. Your body repairs muscle tissue that's been damaged, like from your workouts or things like that. Um, It repairs tissue from other parts of your body that just, I mean, honestly, our cells turn over multiple, multiple times per year. Some cells turn over as quickly as multiple times per day and some after several months. But all of that cellular damage and repair that goes on in our body, most of it happens at night. Um, Sleep is important for maintaining an optimal weight, for maintaining cravings. Research actually shows that obesity is increased in those who are chronically sleep-deprived. So all else equal, even if they're eating the same, obesity is increased in those who are sleep-deprived. It's important for your memory, for clear thinking, your ability to learn, stress management, how to maintain uh, appropriate hormone balance, cravings like I mentioned, blood sugar control, everything basically has been linked to being chronically sleep-deprived. Risk of high blood pressure, diabetes, stroke, heart disease, kidney disease, so much more. So yes, to answer that question, sleep really is that important. Now, today I'm going to go over seven tips to improve sleep naturally. I will include in the show notes a link to a blog post that will outline these seven tips for you. And I will encourage you that in the Revitalize Health Accelerator, which now you've heard about multiple times, we have an entire pillar dedicated to sleep. You do a sleep experiment to help you determine which factors are more critical for you. We go through a lot more on supplementation, more practices than we're able to discuss in this short podcast. So if you want more That's just one more motivation to check out the Revitalize Health Accelerator. I know you'll love it, and I can't wait to talk to you more about that. You can find out more on that as well at the link in my bio, and you can register if you're listening to this. Uh, Close to when it's released, you can register for the free webinar on August 30th at noon central at the link in the show notes down there. It is bit.ly slash revitalize underscore webinar. All of that is lowercase free webinar walking you through the 12 pillars of health. Okay, back to the tips. Seven tips to improve sleep naturally. Number one, exercise in the morning. You know how much I love my morning routine, so this is an easy tip for me to give. But research shows that exercising in the morning helps our body adjust to its normal circadian rhythms. This makes us better able to fall asleep once it gets to bedtime. We also, I mean, I'm biased here, but I know how productive I feel, how accomplished I feel, how energized, how positive, all of this kind of stuff I feel when I exercise in the morning rather than just jumping right into work. So highly recommend getting in some exercise in the morning to help your circadian rhythm operate effectively and improve your quality of sleep at night. If you're just like, no, it's not going to happen, my work schedule, my kids' schedule, whatever, Most people do not feel good with intense exercise two to three hours before bed. So can you do a walk? Can you do some gentle yoga, stretching, things like that? Of course. That's wonderful right before bed. Uh, And in fact, that could be its own tip. But a boot camp workout or 400 burpees in your backyard 30 minutes before bed, that's probably not going to facilitate good quality of sleep. Tip number two is to limit caffeine six hours before bedtime. I know this is a lot. I don't love giving this tip. Uh, I love my coffee too. I love caffeinated tea. I love all things caffeine. But the half-life of caffeine is actually quite long, five to six hours, meaning that five to six hours later, we still do have half of the caffeine in our bloodstream for the average person. That's a long time. So maybe technically the, the goal should be no caffeine 12 hours before bedtime, although for most people that might be a little bit of a stretch. So I'm asking for six hours, and I would want you to calculate right now What is your optimal bedtime? Can you actually make that cutoff for yourself Um, and, and really hold to it? If that's not enough of a cutoff, go a little earlier for yourself. Don't argue with yourself. Just have it be a line in the sand. Don't say, oh, should I have this next cup of coffee or not? No. If it's past your cutoff, the answer is no. Prioritize your sleep enough so that you can get good quality sleep, and then you won't even need that afternoon cup of coffee the next day. It's a positive cycle. Tip number three is to limit sugar as much as possible, especially in the three hours before bedtime. You know I have a major sweet tooth. I love my chocolate, so I struggle right alongside you to limit that sugar right before bed. And I do, personally, as you've probably seen on Instagram, I enjoy some kind of, quote, dessert every single night. Almost always, Nine plus times out of 10, it's a low sugar option. So a square or two of no sugar added dark chocolate or my protein milkshake, um, which I absolutely love and will include a link in the show notes. I call it my healthy Wendy's Frosty Um, or maybe Organifi Gold, which is a nice warm tea or something like that. I'll choose a lower sugar option before bed so it doesn't impede my sleep quality. Tip number four is to limit blue light at least an hour before bedtime. I will link to a post that gives a full debrief on blue light, but the short version is that so many studies show blue light affects our levels of melatonin, which is a hormone that regulates sleep quality. So I really recommend truly putting away all devices an hour before bed, but at least if you've got to or... Uh, feel that you need to, in quotes, check your devices, at least wear some blue light blocking glasses an hour before bed. Even better, though, honestly, if you can use that time for connection, for household chores, for uh, yoga, for reading a book, for doing a hobby, something like that to get your mind in a relaxed state. Instagram scrolling or working or even watching TV for the most part is too mentally stimulating for um, uh, the best mental state to go into a deep quality of sleep. So tip number five we covered in Megan Recommends, which is to take magnesium 20 minutes to an hour before bedtime. I've taken this for years. Like I said, I swear by it to help my monkey mind calm down um, throughout my sleep cycle. I generally fall asleep okay, but um, I wake up thinking about how much I love my job and my to-do list and which clients I'm going to see and all this stuff and and even though I do love it, I don't want that to wake me up and be circulating in my brain. So the magnesium really helps with that, um, as well as the other benefits I mentioned. Tip number six is to create an optimal sleep environment. The optimal sleep environment is a cool, dark, and quiet one. So, cool 60 to 68 degrees is actually the optimal temperature. 60 degrees sounds really cold to me, I'm not gonna lie. So, I don't get all the way down there, although my husband probably wishes that we would, but no, 60 to 68 degrees. So, uh, as cool as you can get it, and don't wear excessive clothing. I used to sleep in like Sweatpants and thick socks and five layers of shirts and all this kind of stuff. And that is not great for us either. So, cool environment, a dark environment, anything you can do to um, cover up sources of light from outside, cover up uh, light alarm clocks, uh, TVs, any kind of light you have in your room, cover it up as much as you can. And then finally, quiet. Try to get as quiet as possible. Um, If for whatever reason, you have noise, you live in a noisy area, or like me, your dogs sleep in your room, which is not optimal for sleep quality, and sometimes they snore and things like that. You can use a white noise or a pink noise machine to simulate quiet for your brain and help your brain tap into deep quality of sleep. And then finally, tip number seven, I hinted at this before, is to try a relaxation practice before falling asleep. It is so hard for our brains to just go from work, 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 work to sleep with only a five-minute break to just like brush your teeth and wash your face or something like that. That used to work for me for many years, but it just doesn't work anymore. Our brains need time to wind down from the stress of the day, um, and having a practice is really helpful there. I always use the example of my grandparents' dog named Scamp. Back in the day, probably in the late 80s, early 90s, um, my grandparents had a dog named Scamp and they used to watch MASH, the TV show, every single night before bed. And as soon as the MASH theme song played at the end, Scamp would scamper over to his bed and just put himself to bed. He knew that was the trigger for his brain to go to bed. I would love for you to have the same type of trigger. It doesn't have to be the MASH theme song. But if you have something you do, like personally, I do my foam rolling, I set out my workout clothes for the next day, I take my magnesium, I brush my teeth, et cetera, and then I read. When I go through that, my brain gets the message just like Scamp did, all right, it's time for bed. But if sometimes right before bed you're talking to a friend and sometimes you're out and sometimes you're... Uh, working and sometimes you're watching TV and sometimes you're whatever, it's hard for your brain to get that message. So I highly recommend trying something soothing, maybe meditation or foam rolling or taking a bath, reading a book. It doesn't have to be long, but just giving yourself 10 minutes to wind down will do wonders for your sleep quality. All right, so I hope you loved these tips. Like I said, we talk about so much more in the Revitalize Health Accelerator, and I will start you out with some more tips if you want to attend our free webinar on August 30th. All those links that I mentioned uh, will be in the show notes, so go check them out. It's time for listener Q&A. We've got great questions today from Kim and Sarah. Kim says, what do you recommend to people who want to meal prep but don't want to eat the same thing all week? This is a really great question, Kim. And I think when people see on Instagram my meal prep every Sunday, they assume that I literally go down the line, eat breakfast, lunch, dinner, breakfast, lunch, dinner, the same things every single day. And I actually don't. So this might be a little-known secret that I don't think I've ever shared. It's very difficult to describe in words without you seeing my meal plan, but I'm going to do my best for you to show you how I rearrange what I make so every day isn't the same. So let's think of breakfasts as A, lunches as B, and um, dinners as C. So let's say I make four A's. I gener- Most of my recipes make four, sometimes five servings. So will generally in a week on a Sunday make four A's, four B's, and four C's. Um, now, maybe Monday I have A, B, and then what I call a bonus meal. A bonus meal is something that I'm not food prepping, but it's quick to throw together. So it might be frozen veggies and eggs. It might be a turkey burger with some of the roasted veggies that I make. It might be um, uh, some nori wrapped with deli meat and um, a salad on the side, sal- like a salad kit, something like that. It might be I I go out or I have an event or something like that. But a bonus meal is something that's not what you see in my food prep. So maybe Monday I have A B bonus, and then on Tuesday I have bonus B C, and then I have on Wednesday I have A bonus C. And then on Thursday, I have bonus AB, and then on Friday, I have AC bonus, um, and then maybe on some days I have ABC or CBA or whatever. I literally write them into the squares in my pepper planner in such a way that I never have the same exact pattern breakfast, lunch, dinner every single day. So even though I'm only making one A, one B, one C, um, I mix it up that way. Now, if that is still too much for you, I highly recommend a freezer rotation. So every time I do make something freezeable, like a soup or a chili or a stew or something like that, I will always put one extra serving in the freezer with a Post-it note that's labeled what it is, the date, things like that. And then every time I put something in there, I take a new thing out. So maybe I'll I'm, I'll make a turkey chili. That sounds really hot right now since it's August, but uh, in a couple months, maybe I'll make a turkey vegetable chili, something like that, and it makes five servings. I'll eat three of those during the week. I'll stick two in the freezer, and maybe I'll pop out a uh, paleo pad thai and a chicken vegetable soup or something like that. So I'll have some different options from the freezer. So that freezer rotation can be really helpful. Um, Next, you could try what I call a mix-and-match style food prep. I will link a cookbook called um, Cook Once, Eat All Week, which is a wonderful cookbook that shows you how to do this um, in fancier ways than I'm about to describe. But the premise of the cookbook and what I recommend to clients is make a couple of things like a protein and two vegetables and then recombine them multiple times during the week. So let's say you just made baked chicken, roasted asparagus, and cauliflower rice. Keep it super simple. Well, the first day you could do a burrito bowl with that cauliflower rice and chicken and maybe some black beans and guacamole or something. The next day you could do lettuce wraps with hummus and the chicken or Um, asparagus lined up in there and lettuce wraps. Maybe the next day you make the cauliflower rice into fried rice, crack an egg, put some soy sauce, ginger, something like that. Maybe the next day you put them over zoodles with marinara and Parmesan, something like that. Just mix up the flavorings By um, preparing a bunch of the staples or the building blocks and then mix up the flavorings. And then finally, I'll post a link to Territory Foods, which you know I love for some variety. Um, If you live in an area where Territory Foods delivers, I have a $50 off coupon for you. You could check that out and use that to complement some of your meal prep. Hope that helps. Um, Next question is from Sarah. Should I worry about the sugar and kombucha? Worry, no, I never want you to worry about anything, but be aware, yes, honestly, I think we uh, would be better served if when we are aware of the sugar in kombucha, so I look for under five grams of sugar per serving now, all kombucha, just by the nature of the processing, needs to have sugar. They put sugar in there to feed the bacteria, which are really good that 's the health benefit of kombucha is giving you all those live probiotic strains and those bacteria need something to feed upon. So all kombucha will have some type of sugar in the ingredients, but I am looking for less than five grams per serving on the Nutrition Facts label. And then there are some companies, Hum, H-U-M-M Zero, uh, has a brand of hummus that, I mean, not hummus, <laughs> Ha, that's funny, Hum Zero has a brand of kombucha that has been um, manufactured or produced such that there's no sugar still usable by the time it gets to the consumer. So even though they do have to put sugar in there to feed the bacteria, there's no sugar by the time you consume it. So that's currently my favorite, the Hum Zero. There are several great versions of kombucha out there. Be aware, but don't be worried, Sarah. Thanks for your questions. All right, my friends, you've made it through another episode of Wellness Your Way. Thank you for that. I have a super special call to action for you today that I'm so excited about, a similar one to what I gave you last week. As you know, I've done eight years of one-to-one health coaching. I've seen thousands of people succeed in feeling healthy in a balanced and sustainable and empowering way. And honestly, there's just too much junk on the market, too much shame, too much negativity, too many fads, too much false information. I don't want you to have to deal with that anymore. I want to make it easier for you to live your life the way that you feel best physically and emotionally. And that's why over the past year, I've been creating the Revitalize Method, which is structured around my 12 pillars of health. I have poured my heart and soul into this. I have tested the process with dozens of amazing women over several months this year. They all experienced incredible results. And then from that, I've tweaked and fine-tuned it. So I am truly confident it's the best method on the marketplace. And I want to introduce it to you for free on August 30th. This is not a sales webinar. I will give you an offer in the last two minutes, but this is literally 40-plus minutes of value-packed, life-changing health information that I'm giving you for absolute free, or as I like to say, free 99 The webinar is August 30th at noon central. I really encourage you to show up live. The people who do get the best results, they feel the most inspired, they get the energy. But if you just can't make it, if you register in advance, I'll still send you the handouts, the bonuses, the recordings, things like that, so you can watch it on your own time. All right. I think that is it for this week. I will see you next week for a wonderful interview. Uh, from, with a doctor, a functional medicine doctor who has a really interesting background, a lot of great tips to share about gut health. I know you will want to stay tuned and listen to this episode. One more time, let me remind you, you can register for the webinar at bit.ly slash revitalize underscore webinar. This is all lowercase or at the link in the show notes. Trust me, this is really the best content I'll ever give away for free. You do not want to miss this. So I will see you on the webinar, and I'll see you or I'll hear you. You'll hear me next week for a great interview with the Functional Medicine Doctor. Thanks for listening, my friends. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to another episode of Wellness Your Way with Megan Lyons. I always love connecting with listeners, so be sure to follow me on social media. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss brand new episodes each week. If you love Wellness Your Way, please leave us a rating and review. I appreciate it so much. Stay well, and I'll be back next week. The Wellness Your Way podcast is provided for information only and should not be misconstrued as medical advice. Please consult with your physician or otherwise qualified practitioner on any matters regarding your health and well-being or on any opinions expressed within this podcast or the LionShare website.